Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Brothers and sisters, good morning and welcome to our daily scripture reflection. We're coming to you live this morning from our Priest for Life studios, and it's great to be with you as always. We're going to read uh, the first reading today from the prophet Isaiah and give you some uh, encouraging reflections about it. Hope you are having a good weekend so far. Uh, we certainly are. I uh, uh, was uh, here at the office yesterday. Uh, many of you were with me for the live broadcast uh, then. And um, uh, today I also have a, uh, oh, yesterday led a uh, national prayer uh, broadcast with the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. I do that regularly and led the, the devotional and the reflection there. That was always good with various uh, pro-life, pro-family leaders from around the country and volunteers. And then today I'm uh, speaking at uh, a couple hours from now to a, uh, a physicians and patients group, which is a... Uh, a wonderful uh, effort to reclaim health care and put it into the hands of physicians and patients rather than government bureaucracies and special interest groups and corporations. So that's going to be an interesting reflection on the, uh, the connection between our medical care and our human dignity, the connection between law and freedom. So Good to see your comments. Let me know that you're here uh, and uh, feel free to, uh, as always, mention your prayer intentions so that as we pray, we can all keep each other's needs in mind. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we come into your presence, first of all, asking forgiveness for our sins, admitting what we have done and what we have failed to do, and asking, Lord God, that the power of the cross and the blood of Christ come upon us, upon our families, and upon our world. Cleanse us, as your word says, that though our sins be like scarlet, they may become white as wool. Bring us to the healing that comes from your death and resurrection, you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Isaiah 58, we continue reading from the same chapter that we read from yesterday. Thus says the Lord, If you remove from your midst oppression, false accusation, and malicious speech, if you bestow your bread on the hungry and satisfy the afflicted, then light shall rise for you in the darkness, and the gloom shall become for you like midday. Then the Lord will guide you always and give you plenty even on the parched land. He will renew your strength and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. The ancient ruins shall be rebuilt for your sake and the foundations from ages past you shall raise up. Repairer of the breach they shall call you, restorer of ruined homesteads. If you hold back your foot on the Sabbath from following your own pursuits on my holy day, then if, you call, then if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, if you honor it by not following your ways, seeking your own interests or speaking with malice, then you shall delight in the Lord. 
and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will nourish you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Brothers and sisters, the prophet Isaiah, earlier in his prophecy, just a few chapters earlier, has the servant song, the servant of the Lord who will offer his life for us. There are several servant songs foretelling the passion and death of Christ. And the one from which I'm about to quote is read to us on a Good Friday. Isaiah zeroes in on what is the spiritual root of the culture of death, of the abortion culture. Listen to how he says it in Isaiah 53, starting with verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole, and with his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. If you're familiar with Handel's Messiah, you could hear the, the, the music that these words are put to in that great oratorio. But you notice the, the common link between what I just read and the previous passage. That all we like sheep have gone astray, each following his own way. There it is right there. Each following his own way, each asserting his own will, each saying, I will, I choose, I will do this, I. The center of gravity being the self. Not God, God's will is this, but my will is this. Now that's essentially at the spiritual roots, the battle between the culture of life and the culture of death. My will or God's will. That's the difference ultimately between the path of salvation and the path of damnation. The way of the angels, the way of Christ versus the way of Satan. Will I submit to God, the center of my prayer life being, as Jesus taught us in the Our Father, Thy will be done, or will I assert myself and say, my will be done, if, even if it means disobeying God. Now think of the term pro-choice for a moment. Doesn't that get to the root of the matter? More perhaps than those who use it intend for it to get. Pro-choice? Really? Is that what you want to be in favor of? Is that what you want the center of gravity to be? Your own choice? Is, is that the most important thing? One of the ways you can think about the spiritual life and what path you're on is the, 
term the concept of center of gravity. Around what do your thoughts, desires, decisions, and priorities revolve? It could be self. It could be God. It could be my will be done, pro-choice, or it can be thy will be done. Jesus in the garden and Mary at the Annunciation are, again, two pivotal moments to show the distinction here. Jesus in the garden saying, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass by me, but not my will, but yours be done. Mary, on the other hand, Jesus, Jesus in the garden is facing a future that he knows what, what is about to happen and the crucifixion and the suffering, and he is freely embracing that plan of the Father for him. Mary, on the other hand, is, is, um, is astonished, doesn't quite know how this news will work out that she is going to become pregnant, even though she has no relations with a man, and is just completely surprised, and yet she says the same thing. In other words, she says, let it be done to me, fiat, according to your word. So Mary, like Jesus, is submitting to the will of God. But notice how she illustrates the difference between following her own will and following God's. Let it be done to me according to your word. God expresses his will through his word. At the beginning, how does he create? He speaks. Who is Jesus? He's the word. The one sent into the world is the Word. The Word creates everything. The Word expresses the truth. The Word shapes reality. And the Word, then, the truth that comes from God, the will of God, constitutes our center of gravity, constitutes the center of gravity for Mary, for Jesus. Let it be done to me according to thy Word. I don't want to try to shape reality. I don't want to go my own way. Back to Isaiah then. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. What does that end up doing? That ends up dividing us from God because we're going our way instead of God's way. It ends up dividing us from one another because if everybody is seeking his or her own way, there's going to be conflict. That's, it, that's the letter of... James goes into this, why are there conflicts among you? You know, everybody is following their own way. It divides us from ourselves. We know what is good, and yet when we keep indulging our own desires, when we keep feeding our own will, when we keep saying, my rights, my body, my choice, pro-choice, we divide us from our very selves. Because we know what is right and we find ourselves more and more going down the path of what's wrong because we're following the desires and passions of the moment. Brothers and sisters, we're entered, we have entered into a season now of extra prayer and extra fasting, this season of Lent. And Isaiah continues to reflect for us in today's reading on what true fasting means. 
We might give up chocolate. We might give up ice cream. We might give up dessert. We might give up our favorite TV program. All of this is meant to focus on giving up our own will. That's the point. The point is not so much the thing that we are sacrificing, but the fact that we are sacrificing. If I prefer something else to my own will, I'm strengthening the spiritual roots of my own salvation, and together we are strengthening the spiritual roots of the culture of life, which says, let it be done, O Lord, according to your word. If you decide that that child should exist, then we say yes to that. If we decide that this is the plan you have for my life, I say yes to that. This is the path of salvation. Thy will be done. If you hold back your foot on the Sabbath from following your own pursuits on my holy day, if you honor it by not following your ways, seeking your own interests, or speaking with malice, then you shall delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Notice, together with this self-assertion, Isaiah connects speech. Not just doing our own thing, but he says, avoid speaking with malice. And this, this comes a few verses earlier. Remove from your midst oppression. Okay, and we know the worst oppression is to the unborn children. But then right away he talks about false accusation and malicious speech. The devil himself is the accuser. There are many sins we can commit. Two of the most common are rash judgment in our mind. How quickly we come to conclusions about things that we do not know, especially about the lives of others or the intentions of others or the past of others. False and rash judgment, which then leads to saying things about others, calumny and slander, you know, we make up or repeat lies about other people, or even if things are true, saying things about other people that we have no business saying that ends up harming their reputation. People have a right to their reputation. And when we speak in such a way, whether it's true or not, that damages that person's reputation, we are guilty of sin. <clears throat> the devil is the accuser. False accusation and malicious speech offend the Lord. Why? Why is, is, is this mentioned a couple of times here along with following our own ways? And how is it connected with the culture of death and abortion? Well, brothers and sisters, because God is truth. When you speak something that is not true, especially something that is not true about another human being, or you say something that ends up harming a person's reputation. Not only are you breaking one of the Ten Commandments, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, but the reason this is offensive to God is that the one we worship is himself, as a person, the truth. Any assault on the truth or misuse of the truth is a direct offense against Almighty God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is a, is a living person. And so with the tongue, if we assault the truth, we might as well be taking a knife and stabbing Christ, stabbing him in the face. That's what we do. 
and our brothers and sisters made in the image and likeness of God. St. James talks about this in his epistle, doesn't he? How the tongue is a raging fire or like the little rudder that steers a big ship. It can cause tremendous damage and it insults those made in the image of God. It insults God himself. But the biggest lie that we can tell about another person is that he's not a person. And that brings us back to the culture of death and the culture of abortion. The biggest lie we can tell about another person is that he's not a person. And isn't that the lie that abortion tells about our brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters in the womb? You know, pro-choice tries to isolate this choice in the individual who's doing the choosing. The pretense, the fiction that somehow this choice only affects me, the chooser. No, it affects the baby who's being killed. It affects the mother and the father. It affects the grandparents and the siblings. It affects the other relatives and the friends. It affects the abortionists and their staff. The shock waves of abortion, abortionshockwaves.com. It affects multiple people in multiple different concentric circles and relationships. A damage that is uncounted, untold, unmeasured, unimaginable. And it's a lie. The idea that somehow or another this child is not a child and furthermore that this child is not our brother or our sister. There are those who will admit that this is a human life because the biology doesn't lead to any other conclusion. But they'll say, I don't have responsibility for that life. That's also a lie. It's a lie to say it's not a life. It's also a lie to say that's not your brother, your sister. Because it is. Not just somebody else's child, somebody else's problem, somebody else's choice. It's yours. It's your child. Your brother, your sister, your problem, your choice, your responsibility. This today is our problem. The children are being killed by abortion. I don't know how many of you go to the uh, 40 Days for Life prayer vigils. You could let me know. Let me know in the comments. It's nice to see. How many of you are participating? I helped to get that off the ground at the beginning. Well, I recently did my 2023 spring campaign message for 40 days. I was just talking with uh, some folks on the leadership team the other day on the phone. And I spread that message of encouragement. You'll see it on, our, on, our, on my YouTube channel, FR Frank Pavone. And I always say to the people that are coming out into these places, praying in front of these abortion facilities, you're doing this because this, these are your brothers and sisters. To speak the truth that Isaiah identifies as so central here to repenting of sin, so central here to worshiping God, means to speak the truth about our neighbor. Who is he? Who is she? These are our brothers, our sisters. When we say they're just a piece of tissue, when we say they're just somebody else's problem, when we say they're a burden and we can dispose of them, when we say they don't have rights, when we say they're not a person, these are lies of the highest magnitude. Talk about hurting a person's reputation. What about denying that they're a person in the first place? That's the worst way of doing it. 
May this Lent take away from us the false speech. May it take away from us that center of gravity which is my own will and replace it with the will of God. There's holiness right there. And there is the basis of the culture of life. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today rejoicing that we know the way. Lord Jesus, you are the way that brings us back to the Father. By putting the will of the Father central in our life, you are the truth, enabling us to see who you are, who our brothers and sisters are, and speaking that truth. You are the life undoing the murderous acts of the devil. Lord, we praise you that we know the way to salvation. It's not a mystery. It's not a tossing of the dice. It's not a throwing darts in the dark. We know the path. It is set before us. Your word is a light to my path. Lord, thank you for the strength to follow in this way of salvation with renewed vigor as we repent with renewed vigor at the beginning of this Lenten season, as we repent with renewed confidence in the forgiveness of our sins, as we repent with renewed energy to call on the world to repent, not because we are better than anybody else, but because we realize that we are all under the same moral law and that we can all bless each other in encouraging each other to follow it. Lord, we ask you to bless and answer all the prayer intentions of our viewers now and those that are mentioned in the comments, those that are in the silence of our hearts. And we gather all our prayers and praises together in offering the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Jesus, pour out your grace upon us, and may we always rejoice that your saving death and resurrection has established and brought us in to the kingdom of life. May it blossom unto life eternal. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we'll be back live again tomorrow. Uh, I have, uh, as I mentioned, that uh, speaking engagement in a little while for physicians and and patience. Uh, but then I'll be doing uh, work here at the office uh, this weekend and I'll be able to come to you live at this same time, 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow, Sunday, the first Sunday of Lent. Hope that you can join us. Please spread the word. God bless you all. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.